From Passages, I'm Rachel Powell, and this is Passages Voice. The Jewish high holidays of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are known as the Days of Awe in Hebrew. Why are these such important days for the Jewish people, and where are their beginnings traced back to? Join our Executive Director, Scott Phillips, as he chats with a guest, today on Passages Voice. Hey there, everyone. We have an incredible treat today uh, in in our Passages podcast. Uh, We have uh, our good friend, Dr. Phaedra Shapiro, the Executive Director of the Israel Center for Jewish Christian Relations, and a senior fellow uh, for our sponsoring organization, The Philos Project. And so today we're going to be talking about something that's obviously very important in the Jewish world. Uh, It's a season that we're coming up on, and it's called the High Holidays. And so maybe some of you have heard of this before. You've heard of uh, you know, Rosh Hashanah, you've heard of Yom Kippur, uh, maybe some of you haven't heard of these holidays. Um, but here at, at Passages, we think it's really important to connect, um, you know, uh, uh, the next generation of Christian leaders uh, with Israel. And a big part of that is understanding, um, uh, you know, Jewish Christian relations and, um, you know, Judaism in general. And so, uh, I want to start out um, just by asking, I want to just ask some questions uh, here with Phaedra and, and, um, and just sort of pick her brain a little bit about these high holidays and what they mean uh, to the Jewish community. And so Phaedra, so this all, the, the high holidays, they all start off with uh, Rosh Hashanah, right? Uh, well, you know, kind of yes and no, uh, because in many ways, the high holidays have, have actually already started. So, you know, what we call the high holidays in English, first of all, is probably better translated as uh, the days of awe, frankly. Hmm. And if we think about them in their minimal sense, uh, then, yeah, we really uh, we really mean Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. But actually, the whole period uh, begins with the first day of the month of Elul. Uh, which started uh, a little over a week ago. So Jews around the world have already begun special prayers of repentance. Uh, We blow the shofar every day through this month of Elul. And in fact, the the days of awe really encompass this whole 40-day period from the first of Elul until Yom Kippur. And tradition holds that this is uh, when Moses ascended to, to Sinai for the 40 days and 40 nights that he spent with God uh, after the stone tablets, 10 commandments were smashed and the sin of the golden calf. So there uh, Moses prayed with God and uh, on behalf of the, of the people of Israel and received God's overflowing mercy uh, on, uh, on behalf of them, despite, uh, despite their sin. So Elul is really a month of, of mercy, mm-hmm. of reconciliation, a time where God is felt to be extremely close and accessible to people. Uh, in fact, the, the month of Elul is said to be an acronym um, in Hebrew uh, for Ani Ledodi Ledodi Li, from the Song of Songs. Mm. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. That ideal of such an incredibly close relationship with God that we're supposed to have. Uh, Elul is really the month for that closeness and mm. for uh, moving God's mercy. Wow. Yeah. So, so you, you mentioned Rosh Hashanah. So it's, 
it's uh, it's considered the Jewish New Year. And, you know, a lot of us think of the New Year's as December 31st. Maybe you can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the Jewish calendar is a little bit complicated. Uh, the Jewish calendar, it's not a solar calendar like the, the Gregorian calendar that we live with on a day-to-day basis, uh, where it takes the Earth about 365 days to revolve around the sun. So the Jewish calendar doesn't work that way, but it's also not a lunar calendar where it's about how long it takes the moon to revolve around the earth, which is about 29 and a half days, something like that. Uh, If you have 12 lunar months, your lunar year is only about 354 days. And that means that on a lunar calendar, uh, each year, the holidays come out, I think every year, like 11 days earlier. So for example, Islam has a lunar calendar. And so Ramadan can fall in the winter one year, but Mm -hmm. slowly it will migrate around the calendar. And so many years later, uh, it will be in the summer. Wow. Judaism, yeah, Judaism is neither of those, or it's both of those. Judaism is a mixed solar lunar calendar uh, because the, the Torah, the Bible, insists that certain festivals fall in their appropriate season related Mm -hmm. to the harvest. So Passover must take place in the spring. Uh, so Jewish festivals, they do move around, but only to a limited degree. So Rosh Hashanah uh, can happen as early as September or as late as, as October on the Gregorian calendar. Okay, I got uh, you. Yeah. Mm. So how, how would you, you know, um, how do you mark this new year uh, that, you know, during Rosh Hashanah? How would you say, you know, what, what's the celebration or what's the observance? Um, you know, December 31st, we think of party hats and streamers, a big giant ball in Times Square. Uh, so what, how, would, how do you say, you know, in Judaism, how do you mark this new year um, known as Rosh Hashanah? Right, absolutely. So a few things. First of all, we should probably note that the that the Torah uh, doesn't even mention Rosh Hashanah and mm-hmm. doesn't connect okay. it to New Year in any kind of way. Uh, we're instructed um, somewhere in Leviticus uh, to have a sacred assembly uh, on the first day of the seventh month uh, with trumpet blasts, uh, a day of rest, special offerings. Um, actually, the Torah refers to New Year uh, in the spring, uh, with mm-hmm. the first day of the month of Nisan, just before Passover. Mm. Uh, actually, Judaism has, has a few New Years. So uh, Rosh Hashanah is understood to be the change in the civil year, whereas in the spring we celebrate uh, what we might call like a new festival year, or some people would say like a new liturgical year. But, but yes, when people talk about Jewish New Year, this is what they mean. They really refer to Rosh Hashanah when the year changes. Uh, and it's a, a very serious uh, two-day holiday with very special uh, lengthy prayers. We have a special prayer book. Uh, we're very focused on the theme of, of God's uh, kingship uh, on this day as a day of judgment and, and on repentance. Uh, we blow the shofar. The shofar, the ram's horn, is uh, blown a hundred times over the course of the day as a kind of a spiritual wake-up call, we might say. Mm, okay. So we're supposed to be we're supposed to be uh, we're supposed to be blasted out of our complacency, mm. uh, out of our comfort zones, out of our old habits, and prepare uh, prepare for change. 
Mm. So that's Rosh Hashanah. Wow. So would you say that uh, Rosh Hashanah leads um, to the next holiday, Yom Kippur? How does it how does it lead to it? And maybe we can talk a little bit about Yom Kippur. But what is the what is the uh, the preparation? You know, is it is is Rosh Hashanah a preparation for Yom Kippur? Yeah, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are absolutely inextricably intertwined. Uh, so the whole uh, theme of repentance that we begin really, you know, back the first day of the month of Elul, um, you know, a month before Rosh Hashanah, it just gets stronger and stronger. So between mm. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we have 10 days. And these are felt to be 10 very special days. They're called the Days of Repentance. Uh, where we continue this process of introspection, of reconciliation, uh, and we prepare ourselves for Yom Kippur. So it's not really right to think of them as two totally separate holidays. It's all part of this long process, I would say. Hello, Passages alum. We know that you all love Dr. Phaedra Shapiro. Wouldn't it be amazing to spend three months in Israel with her, teaching English and learning more about Jewish-Christian relations? Well, we have the opportunity for you. It's called the Galilea Fellowship. Currently, they're accepting applications for the winter semester. Check it out at philosproject.org backslash Galilea Fellowship. So Yom Kippur, a lot of people know Yom Kippur, those who maybe have Jewish friends or uh, maybe have some understanding of Judaism, but a lot of people know it is, it's just the day where you don't eat. It's the day where you fast. Um, so uh, maybe you can, uh, you know, elaborate a little bit on what Yom Kippur uh, means. It's sort of its deeper meaning and maybe why people fast. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we have... We have certain practices on Yom Kippur, and definitely the best uh, known of them is uh, is fasting. So we don't eat or drink for 25 hours. Mm. Uh, but but unlike I would say unlike the fast uh, that we have on the ninth of Av, for example, that uh, that marks uh, really the, the destruction of the temples and the sort of uh, terrible tragedies of Jewish history. Uh, Yom Kippur is something very different. Yom Kippur is really a very joyful fast. I mean, you know, mm. God is about to forgive us, right? We have this incredible opportunity. Yeah, right. And uh, and when it's approached with, uh, with purity of heart, with uh, true penance, I mean, there's absolutely nothing miserable about it. So we really spend the day, the days are spent in prayer. It's the longest prayer day of the year. Uh, we have five prayer services on Yom Kippur, and so that's pretty much an all-day thing, um, you know, except for a few hours in the afternoon when people go home uh, and rest a little bit. It's a very intense, very passionate day of prayer. Uh, we don't blow the shofar on Yom Kippur, but right at the end, as the day closes and we reach the end of that fifth prayer service, there is uh, a long uh, shofar blast that marks uh, marks the end of this day and really in many ways marks the end of this whole 40-day period of uh, of repentance and reconciliation. Mm, that's very that's very interesting. And so uh, how would you say that we can think of Yom Kippur as a place of connection maybe rather than separation? I think that goes into what you were just talking about with you know that it, it sort of is a joyful uh, fast and it's not miserable. Um, but that it is joyful. And so how can we think of Yom Kippur as that place of connection together rather than separation? 
Right. Yeah. Because I mean, I understand that, that for Christians, this, uh, you know, day of atonement, um, you know, it doesn't make a lot of uh, immediate sense uh, because forgiveness is, is, um, is one differently for Christians. I, I get that. Uh, but really the important thing is that we're really, I think, talking about the same basic categories, right? I mean, we both understand that, uh, that God wants to be in full relationship with us and, and that we should want to be in full relationship with him. Uh, we both understand, Jews and Christians, that, uh, that sin is uh, it's inevitable um, and that it separates us from God, uh, that we need to take responsibility for sin. Uh, take responsibility for our broken relationships uh, with each other uh, and with God, uh, that those relationships need to be mended. Uh, we both understand that God is, by definition, a God of mercy, uh, eager to accept our sincere repentance, uh, eager to welcome us back. So, I mean, really, that's, that's an awful lot to have in common, frankly. Mm, absolutely. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, sort of how exactly forgiveness happens, uh, you know, we might have different answers on, but we're really talking about the same basic categories, the same issues, the same fundamental assumptions here. Mm -hmm. um, so, okay, so after Yom Kippur is over, um, you know, it's finally, you know, Rosh Hashanah, you know, uh, Yom Kippur and sort of this whole 40-day period. So you just, what, you just go back to regular life? Is it, you know, it, it just turns back to normal? Or what happens next? <laughs> right. Uh, well, we don't, ex it's not really uh, exactly the end. Uh, uh, because uh, just around the corner uh, is another holiday. Uh, the holiday of Sukkot, uh, the, the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, in fact, you know, in, uh, in little Jewish communities, neighborhoods around the world, you know, after Yom Kippur, of course, the first thing you do, everyone goes home and, uh, you know, you need to eat something. Uh, but then as the night kind of wears on, um, you start to hear little noises. You hear noises of construction, hmm. uh, people dragging things, um, people hammering. And uh, that's the sound of Jews uh, building our own little uh, tabernacles as we're commanded to live in these little uh, booths uh, for the holiday of Sukkot. Uh, in fact, it's really, it's a wonderful reminder because we've just come out of Yom Kippur, right? And we're usually feeling pretty good, uh, pretty secure. Like, you know, we fix things with God and everything's okay. But uh, it's exactly at this time that, that God commands us uh, uh, to uh, to get out of our security, uh, to step out of our nice, uh, constructed, firm houses that we mm -hmm. built, and to go live in this kind of rickety shack uh, with no roof for a week. Mm, wow. uh, and to do it, to do it at a time uh, when, at least in Israel, the, the winter rain just, just begins in this season. Mm. Uh, so it's a good reminder that our relationship with God, you know, doesn't just, uh, it doesn't stand still. We don't just kind of uh, become reconciled and then we can get all complacent. But we're kind of called, uh, we're called into the world. We're called into dangerous situations. We're called into hardship, uh, into threats. Right. And the challenge is, you know, how do we take all that peace and security that we gained uh, uh, from our rebuilt relationships? during the day of awe, you know, how do we take that uh, with us uh, and, and go out with it, uh, you know, in our 
uh, in our toolkit, so to speak, uh, you know, in trust as we go out into the world. So Sukkot really pushes us out of our complacency, uh, but we've been mm. strengthened by the days of awe. Yeah, it sort of so. sets, sets you up for the, for, for the, the coming year, you know, um, and it yeah. sort of puts you in the right sort of frame of mind uh, all the way around. Um, well, great, Phaedra, thank you so much uh, for your insight today into this. I hope that everybody listening, um, you know, learned just a little bit, about, uh, little bit more about your Jewish friend uh, your Jewish friends, a little bit um, uh, about more, you know, sort of this, uh, this thing we call the high holidays. And so again, Phaedra, thank you. You're always, uh, uh amazing to hear and, um, and, uh, everyone thanks for listening today and have uh, a wonderful, a wonderful day. This is Rachel Powell. Thank you for joining the conversation today on Passages Voice.